Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. The following is a presentation of the Belly Up Sports Media Network. Yeah, dude, could be a lot worse. I used to dread this every year, but now I don't dread it so much. It's strange. I mean, of course, we may not be even doing it next year. There may not be no Pac-12 to preview. I don't. Oh know. yeah, I was gonna say, are you talking about win totals or are you talking about the Pac-12 <laughs> specifically? Because <laughs> yeah, like two years ago, it was a drag. Oh god, even it was, last year, man. even last year, it wasn't all that great. But Pac-12 football, in my opinion, is the most fun and most interesting it's been in the better part of a half decade. Well, it's definitely the most fun thing that's going on at 1030 at night on a Saturday, you know, unless you're 21 years old or some shit like that. But yeah, when you're old like us and just want to sit your ass on the couch, it's uh, definitely the most exciting thing that's happening at 1030 on most Saturday nights. But speaking of Saturday nights in the fall, welcome back to the South End Zone here on the Belly of Sports Network. Thanks for coming and hanging out with us. I'm your host, Jason Bailey. I'm with my co-host, Eric Mulhair. As per the usual, Eric, it's preview season, man. We made it. Fine, We did. It wasn't as long an off-season as last year because we were able to you know, get some good topics, particularly with the guests. But season preview time is always good because that means the the season is just that much closer. Indeed, man. Yeah, media days right around the corner should be uh, really interesting. But, man, Pac-12 football. On the surface, man, I was thinking about this today. I was like, you know, the Pac-12, if you were to, like, rewind three or four years, okay, and you, like, going back to your old time traveler, that same time traveler, okay, he's going to travel back, like, four years, okay, like, 20, whatever, or even five, like, 2018, and that same time traveler tells me, hey, in five years, the Pac-12 is going to have the best group of quarterbacks in college football, no questions asked. Yeah, by a significant margin. I would have been like, you're out of your fucking mind. You're crazy. There's no mm-hmm. chance that's going to happen. And man, now that, I mean, it really, like you said, it's not close. It's a wide margin. No. The, the quarterbacks in the Pac-12 are significantly above, like, you know, just from top to bottom talent-wise. It's pretty impressive. I, I would say it's the best group they've had in quite some time. But before we get into this Pac-12 uh, preview and all the win totals from Vegas, and uh, all our listeners should know, Eric, you got these win totals from what, FanDuel? Is that yes, where you got all, all of the win totals you're going to hear uh, tonight, and actually just for the rest of all the other conferences to uh, come from FanDuel. Um, so our standard disclaimer, shop around. Uh, there, there are some instances where you can find maybe a half game better or maybe even a full game better in some cases. I know Memphis has a, a one game gap between high and low or even just better odds, right? You're talking, you know, plus 120 versus minus 140 for the same number. So, yeah. Yeah. but for the purposes of this discussion, these are all numbers from FanDuel. 
All right. So before we get into this year's win totals for all 12 of the Pac-12 teams, what happened last year, man? Recap me, because I honestly have no clue how we did. I've last long, year, I've long since forgotten. Yeah, last year you were the clear winner in the Pac-12. Uh, you oh. went not, you went nine and three. Oh, shit. And Timmy and I both went seven and five. So overall, oh. as a group, we did okay. Hmm. Um, okay. Did we both? I know I did, but did you also pick the uh, Utah to win the Pac-12 last year? I don't remember. I think maybe. I would have to actually go back and listen to that because all I've got here is the win totals. We all three did pick them to go over eight and a half. Yeah, uh, yeah, they were they they were disrespected as part of the usual for them. Yeah, so not a whole lot of we were close because we were we were unanimous on so many things. Yeah, well, that may be the resounding result. Today yeah, I mean, and we'll, well see. We'll see how it goes. Uh, well, here's to doing it again. Nine and three. That's uh, that's paying out at a pretty good rate. Yeah. I believe I will take that. So oh, yeah, I'd kill for seventy five percent. Yeah, so would I. So let's hope. Uh, you know, here's to another year of seventy five percent payout. Uh, all right, now. So I don't think there's any breaking news that we really need to cover. Um, well. Yeah, I guess I don't know how how active you've been on the socials this afternoon, but we are recording this uh, Tuesday evening, the 27th, and it did come out today that former Arkansas quarterback Ryan Mallett yeah. died in a some sort of swimming or boating accident. I guess he 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 drowned uh, yeah. in Florida. So our uh, our condolences go out to his his family and Razorback Nation. He was a hell of a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, he sure was, man. I mean, even you know, like I say, as a Bama fan, you just had to. You had to respect what the guy brought to the game. You know, big six foot seven, you know, 260 pound dude. And he had an absolute rocket and rocket, rocket attached to the side yeah. of his arm and playing in that uh, Petrino offense back mm-hmm. then. Man, he was a ton of fun to watch. And they, they were an exciting football team. And, you know, I, I feel like, you know, just take a second here on him. I mean, he kind of, he had his shot in the NFL, sort of. You know, he was a backup to Tom Brady there, but he just sort of never. I, I don't know that he never got a fair shake. I don't know that. Know? He did. Yeah, you said you said got a shot, and I, I said, yeah. I mean, depending on how you look at it, like he. I, I know we played for the Texans. They were not a good team. Yeah. I don't know how much of an opportunity that really was. It's, right. You stick anybody behind a you know a bad line and, and not a huge or not a great supporting cast that. Yeah, it's going to happen, struggle, but so. he had, uh, it's kind of, like you said, it's very, very unfortunate. He had just started his career, uh, as a high school football head coach mm-hmm. last year. So he's named the head coach last year. So again, our condolences to Ryan Mallett's family and friends, but Eric, let's get into the win totals here, man. Let's get into preview season. So I want to start you off here. We're going to go through your teams first, just a, a little preview. The teams that Eric is going to cover is Washington, Oregon, Arizona state, USC, Cal and Stanford. Um, so let's go through some of these. I'll, I'll read off the win totals off the top and then we'll, I'll let you sort of take it away and tell me about what's going to happen with these teams. Now, uh, let's start. Where do I want to go first? We'll start with a middle of the road. Well, actually, here's an interesting place to start because we did an episode with a beat writer about this team this offseason. So I've got a pretty good handle on this team. Talk to me about Arizona State. Four and a half from Vegas. So what should I expect in year one of the Kenny Dillingham era? You should expect to see a team that is in a fight like hell to get a sixth win. I, I do like them to get to five. I will take the over on this four and a half. 
but six really feels like kind of their ceiling in year one. He, Kenny Dillingham was, was on my five best coaching hires list for a reason. Um, they do have kind of modest expectations going into year one, but he's already improved, you know, recruiting uh, relations with the fans and administration. He's, he's got a deep, deep background there. I thought kind of from the get go, even before they hired him, he was maybe the guy they should target and the best guy for them to go after. Having said that, it, it's not going to be overnight thing. So it'd be kind of rough this year. Uh, I, but I do think they go over four and a half. I'm, I'm actually really confident they get to five, six mm, might be a stretch, but you know, again, well, he was brought up specifically by, uh, by Cole, our beat writer who came on Elijah Badger receiver. He is yes. uh, yards after the catch machine. And he is <laughs> yeah. going to be, he, he's one of our Conor McGregor watch list players. Indeed. Yeah, they. I, I don't know what to make of them, man, because like you say, so much turnover, coaching, just players just ripped out of there. You, you wonder who's going to take the snaps. If yep. you want more of a detailed look here as a listener, just scroll back in our feed and you can, you know, if you are interested in Arizona State, you can learn all about him in that episode. He details out every position group, basically. But man, from what I'm looking at, like they have a fucking tough ass back end of the schedule, man. They do. Like, and the front, and that was, um, if I remember right, if that made the final cut or not, that was specifically something that Cole and I talked about was, yeah. you know, if, if they're going to get, if they're going to hit that over, the lion's share of that is going to have to come in the front half when they get Southern Utah, Fresno, Cal, Colorado, because the back half is much tougher, right? You go to Washington, you go to Utah at UCLA, you know, home games aren't fantastic. You get Oregon at home and then the rivalry game with Arizona. Wazoo is in there somewhere. This, yeah. The back half. Uh, so, you know, USC is the only team, I think, that they really don't have much of a chance on the in their first six games. So I think they can be four and two or five and one going into their bye week on October 14th. After that, the sledding is a little tougher. I think they can sneak one of those games out, you know, between Wazoo and Arizona. So if they can get to four in the front half and pick up a win on the back, then we're golden. Yeah. I I don't know, man. Yeah. I, I would say they're going to struggle like hell to get to that fifth win. I would, it, it's not a bet I would make. I'll put it that way. Herm doesn't coach there anymore. So I don't have to worry about the complete opposite happening of what I think, but I just, I, I'm not comfortable enough to bet this over. I, I would probably lean to the under and just say four wins because I can comfortably find three wins on their schedule very easily. And I think, you know, between the likes of Oklahoma State, Fresno State, Cal, and Washington State, you would think that they can get, you know, one to two of those and possibly Arizona. You know, that's always a, a wild card. So we'll, we'll see. But I would lean to the under and you mm. are on the over. Ooh, our first so, break already. <laughs> I know, right? It's crazy. All right. So next up, I'm going to just take you straight to the toilet. Oh, okay. And, and get, so Stanford get, has, Yeah, get this out of the oh, way. Okay, yeah. <laughs> three and a half. They were three and nine last year. They bring in a new coach and they bring back six starters. That's not on offense. That's not on defense. That is, they bring back six starters and then a period at the end, right? That, that may actually be a good thing. It might, but the thing about Stanford is they, they're they're not a place that you can necessarily replenish talent quickly. You know, we've talked about the transfer portal becomes a one way deal for them, right? They oh yeah, big time. 
they they're going to lose probably for for every good player that they can get to transfer in there they probably lose like six i think like, it's more it's, like I'll put this out there right out of the gate. I think it's more likely that Stanford just stops playing football than the likeliness of them getting to a bowl game in the next five years. Mm. So I'll I don't put that out there. I don't, I don't know about five years. I would I would take that on three, but I, I think Troy Taylor can over time build something, at least a decent team there. He's got a really strong track record, but he just has doesn't have anything to work with here at the moment. Yeah. They've not been active in the NIL space. The transfer portal just kills them. Oh yeah. You know, Every between year. between not being able to get guys to bring in to actually losing guys because you know, I've got this player with eligibility left. He has to leave to go to grad school to continue yeah. playing. He can't get yes. into grad school here. Their defense is going to be an absolute horror show. <laughs> if you can find a prop bet for average yards allowed per game for Stanford and you can find a number under about over 500 I think 450 I feel safe that I mean they're going to be oh oh yeah brutal on defense and their offense looks like it's kind of maybe is going to top out as average ish uh, they're going to be bad give me the under I don't want to talk about them anymore the, you know the Pac-12 like if you were to classify this like conference as a bunch of strippers like the stanford is the homely girl at the end of the bar that nobody wants a private dance from okay like it's not good she's not making any money no action for her yikes the the owner of the bar is just gonna have to shit can her she's she's missing a tooth and she has (laughs) her boobs are not adjacent she's got the (laughs) c-section scar and uh, yeah yeah. but she's got a fucking college degree yeah and just something fizzled out i don't know what happened but <laughs> they're bad. They're going to be, they're going to be bad. <laughs> they stink. All right. So moving on, let's get you to some good here. Oh, let's, uh, let's do that. Let's stay in the state of California. Talk to me about the Vegas favorite to win the pac 12. And you know, there's a lot of uh, books out there that have them making the playoff. Talk to me about the Trojans. Uh, Nine and a oh, half. Okay. So let's start with, they have the best player in college football. Full stop. Um, No question. And that alone might make you think, hey, they're going to be a pretty good team. Uh, The catch is he's far from being alone. Like he is surrounded by studs. They they have three really good receivers. They got two they're bringing back, uh, Mario Williams and Taj Washington. Both of those guys were, you know, not the main target last year, but they were contributors. They both had over 600 yards and at least five touchdowns. Then they bring in Dorian Singer from Arizona, who I believe led the Pac-12 in receiving yards last year. He had 1,100 yards and another six touchdowns. So that's their three main receivers. Uh, They're bringing back a running back who ran for 700 yards and five scores. And then they get a transfer from South Carolina who got five-something and another nine touchdowns. So offensively, their points per game average is going to start with a four. <laughs> yeah, that, I mean that that's to be expected though because it, yeah. I mean Lincoln Riley, we we know his teams are going to score. That's never a question, especially when they're led by a guy who would have been the number one overall pick had he have been eligible for the draft. Yeah. Now, the, and the question with them, and really with any Lincoln Riley team, is the can defense. They stop any, yeah. Can they stop anybody? And their their defense doesn't have to be that much better for them to not really, lose to Tulane <laughs> for them to not, you know, for them to be an actual like playoff title contender, mm-hmm. they, their defense has to be good enough to where if their quarterback is not a hundred percent, they don't get their doors blown off or 
you know, their their defense was just so bad they couldn't absorb losing Jordan Addison for the bowl game. Like they can't no. stop it. You know, couldn't get stops. They they had two games last year where they scored forty two points or more and lost. <sighs> so they don't need to be the twenty twelve Alabama defense or the twenty twenty one Georgia defense. They just need to be adequate. Yeah, they need to be top like top thirty, top forty. Well, they top half. Yeah, because um, they're going to have probably a top three offense. So. They'll be better up front defensively. They got uh, uh, they brought a couple transfers in the Sullivan kid from Purdue, Bear Alexander from Georgia. They do. I mean, they have nine starters or nine guys with starting experience on defense coming back. I think they'll be better. I don't know if they'll be. You know how much better is going to kind of determine whether they can actually make that four team field and and actually do something. I think even if their defense is, you know, just as shaky as it was last year, I still think they go over. Like I'm on the over regardless. It's just a matter of do they go 10 and 2 or 12 and 0. And that's going to hinge on their defense. Uh, now I don't love that their four toughest games come in a five game stretch yes. at the back end of the schedule, but yeah. can they win three of those? Yeah. Yeah, I would agree. And at Notre Dame is an interesting one because mm-hmm. like you said like I said, it's a wild card. We don't know how good Sam Hartman is going to be. Who knows? I mean, it's just I, I don't know. I don't know what to make of that game. I, I think Notre Dame's defense will be good enough to slow them down. It's just a matter of can they score with them over a four quarter period. Yeah. So I I agree I'm with everything you said. Man, I'm 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 anxiously waiting for for Notre Dame and USC to be appointment viewing again. Oh yeah, I, I I think it will be, and so and it's it's already like you know seven thirty p.m. on on NBC. It's going to be prime time, so it it should be you know the game of the week. But I wouldn't lean to the over as well. I mean, with two of their three toughest games are on the road, but. I just, like I say, I, I don't know that Notre Dame can score with them for four quarters. It's kind of like last year. Notre Dame mm-hmm. had a decent defense last year and just couldn't, yeah, they just stop. ran out of gas and you couldn't stop the athletes. So I don't know, man. I would probably agree and lean to the over, but I don't, I'm not prepared to say they go 12 and 0. I would say, you know, 10 and 2, maybe 11 and 1. I think they, I just think they'll drop one somewhere. There's just too many good offenses that they face. Yeah, especially in this conference. Yeah, so it's just one of those. But there's no question they'll be like, you know, six, seven, and zero, or six and zero before they face Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. I mean, even if their defense is as shitty as last year, they were eleven and one in the regular season, and the loss yeah. was by one on the road to Utah on a last second two point conversion. So like, yep. you you can live with that, no right? Doubt. They didn't get run off the field by Oregon State or something. It's you know their defense. But I just I can't imagine a scenario where their defense is so bad they lose three games. Well, and that's, and that's, I'm glad you mentioned Oregon State because that's notable. They don't play them. Mm -hmm. And Oregon State, not somebody you're just going to run over this year. And Oregon State damn near beat them last year. They did. They threw threw two picks. Yeah, they threw two pick sixes, which cost them the game. You know, so it's, you know, they're, they're fortunate to avoid them. But uh, yeah, I agree. I'm going to say over as well. And, uh, you know, we'll see what happens once they get to, if they make the Pac-12 championship, we'll see what happens. But uh, talk to me about another one of these Pac-12 contenders, the Ducks, man. I am super, I don't want to say super high on Dan Lanning, but I'm pretty fucking high on Dan Lanning in year two. I, I really like pretty much everything I'm seeing up there. I am too. And offensively, they're going to be bringing back a lot. They they average just under 39 a game. And from that offense, you're bringing back Bo Nix. Uh, you're bringing back three good receivers and you got a transfer from Troy, uh, Tess Johnson. 
if they can improve on defense, because I thought they would be better, honestly, with Lanning showing up there. They were just kind of, eh. They were yeah, pretty low road. Kinda, yeah, they were kind of mid, you know, but that's year one. You would have right. to think that. Now, and it's reasonable to think, hey, they'll be better now that he's got a year to right. you know, personnel-wise, scheme, yeah. all that stuff. Um, mm-hmm. Schedule-wise, their four hardest games all are on the back half as well. They're they're similar to USC. The let me let me pull it up here. Well, they've got they got to go to Washington, to Utah, USC at home, Oregon State at home, all in the last six seven weeks. So yeah, so after yeah, Washington, Washington State, uh, they go yeah at Utah, USC at home, and then the Civil War game. Yeah, it, it's at home, but that almost doesn't matter. No, and it won't matter. This bloodbath, regardless. Yeah, it's, it's gonna be it's gonna be a damn war. It really will. Yeah, so that's an evening game too, I believe, which is great because oh yeah, that's eight yeah that's eight thirty p.m. That Eastern might, on Fox. That that's might be the main time. might be the main show main national game. I kind of went back and forth. And I wanted to take the over, but I was like, man, I, not everyone in this conference can go over. Uh, the, you know, yes, the Pac-12, it's better than it's been, but I'm going to say they go 9-3. and three. Even though their non-conference schedule is a little easier with no Georgia on it in week one. No doubt. So I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take the under, but I don't feel great about it. Well, you know, they've got a – it's interesting. They, they've got that early road trip to Texas Tech. And Texas Tech is just one of those teams. They're, they're like not. They're not a team you want to go play, <laughs> just, especially just, early. Yeah, especially early. It's like man, but you know they got Portland State in Week One, so it should be basically right. I mean, know, they get their they get their non conference layups, but that Texas Tech game, I don't yeah. want to say scares me, but maybe like kind of concerns uh, Texas Tech. I haven't dug into them too much, but they feel to me like they could maybe be a surprise team and come out and, and play with anyone. Well, and that's, you know, they, they've they been known to do it, you know, um, every time. And we're guilty of it on this podcast a little bit. We, we've we consistently underestimated Texas Tech. You know, they they fired their coach midseason two years ago, and we're like, oh, my God, this team's going to be terrible, whatever. They win, like, three out of their next five games. Mm-hmm. And then last year, they come out and have a decent season. We're like, shit, man. I'm getting to the point where I'm like, maybe I should quit underestimating yeah. and thinking they're going to suck. So, so that's, yeah, that's not a non-conference gimme. So No, no, not at all. So, all right. So you're on the under. I'm I'm going to take the over, man. I just I'm going to bet on Lanning. You know, I agree with most of what you said. It, it all de- it's all dependent on one thing, and that's whether or not home Bonix or road Bonix shows yeah. up this year. If it's home Bonix for ten out of twelve games, <laughs> they probably will win ten games. They're probably going to win twelve. Yeah, ten out. Of 12. Yeah. So it just I, I'm going to bet on Bonix here, which is just I can't believe those words are coming out of my mouth. But I'm going to bet on Lanning and Knicks to go over here and win ten games. I think it's I just I think they're going to be much better on defense than they were a year ago. Even though you know they did lose some key pieces, but I think they'll be fine. I, I think Lanning's got a very strong track record uh, defensively, so no no issues there. The guy knows how to ch- coach a championship caliber defense. He's done it. So all right, let's talk to me about another laser show here: the Washington Huskies and Michael Penix. Holy. Mm-hmm. Shitballs! This team, man, you uh, come out of nowhere. Team of yeah. the year last year for this podcast, I would say. Didn't we all take the under? We no, actually, I was the only one who took the under. Uh, oh. I took under seven and a half. You and Timmy were on the over. 
Oh man. All right. Well, and, I'll say this. I, I took them to win eight. I definitely did not take them to go 11 yeah, and two. 11 and two. Right. Um, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And I took the under because I had no confidence in we were going to get anything like we got from Michael Penix Jr. Cause he looked horrible. In oh yeah, you went against Indiana. you went against your own thing, man. You bet yeah. against Kalen DeBoer. And I know you it. are the you are the Kalen DeBoer fanboy of this yeah. show. And so so I deserve that L, and that's fine. I'll <laughs> take it. But there was really less about him and more about I just don't trust the quarterback. Oh so, God! So but think is, about how bad they were under Jimmy Lake. Like think about how fucking horrible that offense yeah. was under Jimmy Lake, and then in one <laughs> season, he turns it around and they just light up scoreboards. It's pretty. It's pretty amazing. It, it is. So my my under pick last year was really centered around the uncertainty I had about Michael Penix Jr. being worth a shit. So what does he do? He throws for forty six hundred yards and thirty one touchdowns. Uh, He's back, obviously. They have two thousand yard receivers, uh, McMillan and Adunze. I, I really thought Adunze was gonna go to the draft, but he'll he's coming back. He's gonna put up stupid numbers again. Jalen Polk is another I I like him a lot. I, he's kind of their third receiver. He might he could be a, a big season candidate. And they're bringing back their kind of I wanna say second string, but the guy who did not get the majority of the carries, but still had a good year. So defensively, they're a lot like USC. They don't need to improve a lot on defense to be a playoff contender, but they do need to improve some. They gave up 26 a game, so they were not as bad as USC, but they weren't great either. They brought in a couple of guys to play up front. They got a couple of good players up front on the edge. Their secondary is kind of some fresh faces in the secondary. You never know how that's going to go, but if they can get you know go from 26 to 23 points a game just get a little better defensively game to game they are a playoff contender so that that game they play at usc in november i think it's the first game they got in november probably decide the conference if i had to guess so i've gone back and forth on who i think that that favors and and i don't know what i do know is i think they're going to win 10 games Mm, man All right, uh, cold water coming in. I I agree with most of what you said, but the only thing the only thing that's sticking out to me here is the schedule, and it's a three game stretch at the end of the year. Yep. Starting with that road trip to USC that you talked about in November. The following week, they've got Utah coming into town, and then the following week after that, they go on the road to Oregon State. Yep. That stretch will determine whether or not they go over period like the rest of their schedule they will be no worse than six and one or no sorry seven and one they'll be no worse than seven and one going into that usc game if they are it's because someone got hurt like oregon is the only team that can challenge them up until right, they play it USC. matches up yeah yeah so to me I just, I mean, I'm going to bet on them, you know, having a couple of hiccups there. I think, you know, Utah is a wild card because of Cam Rising. We'll talk about that a little bit. But Oregon State, I think, is going to be better. USC is going to be what they're going to be. And I just, man, I don't know. I, I would bet against them getting back to 10 wins again this year. I just, I just don't see it, man. I think, and I mean, what, let's be real. Washington, Washington State, it, it's one of those games, man. It's not a gimme win. Nope. Washington State's not going to be a fucking terrible team. They may have their struggles that we'll talk about, but, you know, let, I mean, no, they're going to, yeah, they're not going to be a complete walkover or anything. No. And defensively, they're not going to be much worse or better than Washington. You know, it's just offensively, Washington will have the advantage, but we'll see. You know, I, I just, 
I'm going to lean to the under and take under and say they go nine and three. Hmm. But uh, our oh god, uh, can you? This give next me Cal- one will be fast. Yeah. Yeah. Can you give me Cal in like under a minute? Because that's about how much time I want to spend talking about Cal's okay. five and a half win total. They have a they have a running back I like a lot, uh, Jaden Ott, and they have a wide receiver I think could be a good player, uh, or I think is a pretty good player could get better. Uh, the Hunter Jeremiah Hunter. Yeah. And that's really about it. Uh, <laughs> Justin Wilcox was on my hot seat list for a reason, and. I look at their schedule. I don't see a fifth win, let alone a sixth. So under. Oh, man. I love it. Uh, yeah. I'm going to bet on history and say under Auburn at Texas or at Washington, Oregon State at home, at Utah, USC, at Oregon, at UCLA. No. <laughs> It's just yeah. not going to happen. L, L, yeah. L, I mean, L, what do we, you know, they could get, I mean, I'm really anxious to see that. Like, I can't believe, like, I'm actually excited to watch a Cal game, but I'm really anxious to watch week two versus Auburn. I mm-hmm. mean, that's going to be Auburn on the road under Hugh Freeze at Cal. I mean, that, and that's a 1030 p.m. Eastern. That is Pac-12 after dark. Let's fucking go. Auburn on the road at 1030 at night. I can't wait. So that one will be interesting, but man, I just don't see it. I'm with you under. So, so let's recap here. Uh, Washington, I'm on the under nine and a half. You're on the over Oregon. I'm on the over. You're on the under. So uh, basically we are a little bit of difference of opinion there on Oregon and Washington, Uh, Arizona state. You're on the over. I'm on the under USC. We're both on the over nine and a half Cal. We're both on the under Stanford. We're both on the under. So, yikes. But, oh, man. I mean, any other takeaways from this half of the conference? I, I think it's pretty much all USC, Oregon, and Washington, and that's it. Yeah, so when we divvied these teams up, I kind of I kind of ended up with not a lot of middle ground. Like, I've got yeah, teams you've got who tomato are expected cans to be and very, teams. very good and the teams who are expected to be very, very bad. You have a couple more towards the middle of the road that we'll talk about here. And I'm going to jump into the first one. We've mentioned them a couple of times. I think we probably feel similarly about them, but uh, I want your thoughts on Oregon State. Oh, man. See, you, you jumped right in on Oregon State on me, and this is a team that – Actually, like a lot, man. I I was one of the uh, was I the only person to take the over on them last year. Correct me if I'm wrong. You were all right. Yeah. So and it paid off. It did pay off, and it was uh, in large part due to the Pac-12 Freshman of the Year, which yep. is Damian Martinez, who is an absolute beast. Okay, that that's their running back for you casual fa- casual fans who don't follow Oregon State football. Damian Martinez was the Pac-12 Freshman of the Year. He's an absolute fucking monster and has NFL written all over him. So talking about Oregon State, man, first double-digit win season and God knows how many fucking years since like 2006 or some shit. Been a long time. I really like what I'm seeing just on the surface. Okay, like four out of five offensive line starters back. Eric, you know what we say, man. If your offensive line sucks, nothing else matters. Well, their offensive line was good last year and they're bringing back four out of five starters. So I really like that, especially with a guy like Martinez running behind him. They do have two good wide receivers back. Most of them, you know, most of their like sort of breakout was in the return game. They're kind of like return specialists, you know, but they do have two decent wide receivers who should be able to, you know, make plays in uh, space. But you got to have somebody to throw in the ball. Enter DJU. Yep. 
from Clemson, man. So <laughs> this dude, I mean, you remember a couple of years ago, man, when he came in as a freshman against Notre Dame and lit the fucking world on fire. And we were like, oh, my God, I picked this dude to win the Heisman the following year. Big fucking you know, mm-hmm. mistake by me because I've had no clue how piss poor Clemson's offensive staff was at that point. And they just don't know how to coach a quarterback. So moving forward a couple of years, DJU, it'll be really interesting to see this guy, man, whether he can, because we know he's got a big arm. Mm-hmm. You know, he can fucking sling it. He can move around a little bit if he's healthy. So having a good offensive line in front of him in a power running game should help him stay healthy, you know, help him in the play action, RPO kind of stuff. But I, man, ultimately for them, I, I think their offense is going to be better than it was last year because they'll still focus on the run, but DJU should be able to help them take that next step in the passing game, assuming he's any fucking better than he was at Clemson. Any better. Well, I just have to believe that he's going to be better coached from an offensive coordinator standpoint. Well, even if he's not, if the same guy from last year shows up and plays, that that's fine. Mm -hmm. He he was much better last year than he was in twenty one. Yeah, he seems to think. For anyone who read the, he did an interview with the Athletic, uh, probably a month and a half ago now. Yeah, he was not. He was not kind to. Uh, well, he just he had some issues with. The, he didn't mince words. How how, how he fit into the offensive scheme in terms of did it did it emphasize what he thinks he does well and does it ask him to do things that he doesn't do well? It, he seems to think he wasn't a very good fit for what they were trying to do, which could be. Well, to be fair, does anybody know what the hell they were trying to do? Well, I know what they weren't trying to do, and that's push the ball down the field. They were completely yeah. under, uninterested in in the vertical passing game, and yeah, particularly off play action. And if Oregon State is, if they can get the Martinez going and then integrate some play action and take some shots down the field, this is a scary team because yes, yes, they, that's that's exactly they, what I think. They're kind of a an outlier in this conference. They play really good defense. They're yeah. a top they're a top twenty defense last year. Um oh yeah. So. Let's talk about their defense for a second. Best defense in the conference last mm-hmm. year. Uh, and by by a pretty significant fucking margin. And so they are losing a couple of dudes on the back end, but they were in yep. a similar situation to this last year where they had some holes to fill in the secondary. However, we talked to LSU beat writer. Uh, Preston guy a few yep. weeks ago or a couple months ago, and he talked about Omar Spates. Yeah, linebacker transferring yeah. from Oregon State. This is a fucking huge that, loss. That one hurts. Yeah, it does hurt. He's their top tackler last year. He's a fucking beast. You know, by Pac-12 standards, we'll see how he fits into LSU's defense. But the good things about their defense, they probably, I would say, have the best two safeties in the conference. One of them was All-Conference last year. The other one got hurt, missed most of the year last year. If he comes back. I would say they have the best pair of safeties in the conference, and they do have a couple of all-conference defensive tackles. So their run defense should be pretty decent. If they can just work out their corner spot, if they can figure that out and not just give up, you know, get gouged out wide and give up huge chunks of yards to teams like Washington and Oregon, then I think they'll be fine, you know. And ultimately for them, they have the best, most favorable schedule in the league. I think. Oh yeah, it's. I think so. I, I mean, they miss. Yeah, they miss USC, and and their toughest games look like they're at home. Utah's at home. Washington's at home. UCLA's at home. Yep. Yeah. And Oregon is on the road, but again, it's it's the rivalry game. It doesn't really home field advantage, and that rivalry is not really the deciding factor. 
You know what I mean? So I'm going to pick them to go over, man. I think they're going to win nine or 10 games. Uh, I would not shock me if they got the double digit wins this year. So like I say, with that schedule, I just, I really like them. Some of the teams on that schedule that were better last year have kind of, you know, fallen a little bit. Mm -hmm. Teams like UCLA, they're replacing a quarterback. They're replacing a running back. Their defense is full of transfers, stuff like that. So I I like Oregon State to go over here. Yeah, me too. I, I definitely think there's nine wins there. The schedule is really kind of what pushes me over the top, you know, even with replacing guys on the defense and not being 100% sure what you're going to get out of DJ. It's, you know, I think the schedule is what gives me the kind of that last little nudge to go ahead and take the over on them. Well, and, you know, moreover, if DJ, you were to come out and look like he did as a freshman. Yeah. Like, holy and, shit. And you're I mean, talking this, about an 11 yeah, team probably. Yeah. Then you're talking about this team could win the Pac-12 if the quarterback play resembles anything we saw in his freshman season at Clemson. So they're, they're a team to watch, man. They're a dark horse in the conference. So we'll see what happens. Speaking of dark horses in the conference, and you just mentioned this team, they are replacing some key players on the offense, but I want to get your thoughts on your nemesis, Chip Chip Kelly, fucking Chip Kelly. Who All right, so I think was on your hot seat hot seat list two years in a row, and then was. turned out eight win seasons. So yes. they're catching they're catching eight and a half from Vegas. What do you think? Again, the opposite of what I predict is usually going to happen. So that being said. Like I talked about, new quarterback, which is a three-person race right now and will probably bleed into the season pretty significantly. Uh, I would I would wager two to three games into the season before they decide on somebody based on their schedule. But new running back, Charbonnet, is gone, and we know him. He was a beast. Okay, this was the number four offense in the country last year. I did yeah. not realize that when I was, you know, looking up this team, I was like, holy shit, man, 500 yeah, yards a game. In, yeah. In terms of yardage. Yeah. They were way, way up. Yeah. There. 500 yards a game. It's fucking ridiculous. So speaking about the offense combined with a new quarterback and a new running back <laughs> offensive line, they had to dip into the portal mm-hmm. to uh, find some depth there. So offensive line is a concern for me, especially with new quarterback, new running back, but I, I try not to worry too much because it's Chip Kelly. You know, the guy is just he offensively, he's going to put out a good unit 90% of the time. So I would like to think that even though there are some question marks offensively, they'll be okay. But that being said on the other side of the ball, Oh man, I've got some serious questions here. They, oh man, like overall their numbers, like on the surface, they don't really look all that terrible by Pac-12 standards. But if you get into the numbers, get underneath them. So they just got gouged like a bend, but don't break. Like they, they didn't give up a bunch of huge long touchdowns, you know, but just got beat to death by 10, 12 yard plays. So that has got to improve. And they did bring a position coach from the Ravens in to be their defensive coordinator. So they got an NFL guy in there now. That'll be interesting. But bottom line, man, based on their schedule, which is not super favorable, I I have a hard time just saying they're going to get to nine wins. I I don't know, man. Like, it's like at Utah, that, again, question mark because of Cam Rising. Yeah. So I, that the, was going to be my question is, what do you not like about the schedule? Because they miss Oregon. They miss Washington. What I don't like is that they have got to, like, okay, for them to get to nine, they've got on the road at Utah, on the road at Oregon State, on the road at USC. Yep. Okay. They can they can lose all three of those. Yes. And then at that point, they have to make 
if they lose all three of those, say, they have to make no other mistakes. Right. And but I don't know that we I know, see another team. We, now, yeah, sure. I don't either. But can you trust Chip Kelly not to drop a game he's not supposed to? Uh, well. I have a really tough time betting that he's just going to win the games he's supposed to win and win the games that he could win as well. I think they're just, I don't know, man. I'll say under, but I don't have a ton of conviction about it either direction. I'll put it to you that way. Well, I feel good about the over because I, I was a little bit on the fence because of those three games. I was like, okay, even if they lose those, like you're saying, you don't get the margin for error. But, you know, they've gone over the last two years. So, well, they also had Dorian Thompson Robinson at quarterback. Well, they did. But when you're talking about an offense that averaged 39.2 a game, taking a step back, you can you can absorb a step back from that and still be a good team. True. Um, so that doesn't, you know, the non-conference slate is manageable. And again, no Washington, no Oregon. You have to think that favors them. So. Oh, yeah. They, you know, and they bring it back a lot of starters on the defense. They could be a little better. The quarterback I, I think they have okay options. They they got the kid from Kent State, and they have a true freshman that might play, might not. Who's who's really highly regarded. So I think they'll this be is the okay. Kind of, and you're you're not wrong about ninety nine percent of that. This is the issue that I have. Last season, November the twelfth, they lose to Arizona. Yeah, at home. <laughs> like that's the kind of shit I'm talking about. It's like okay, yeah, sure, yeah, they're gonna win nine games, no problem. And then they drop one to Arizona. That's why it's called gambling and not collecting free money from Vegas. <laughs> That's true. Good call. Facts. All right. Well, yeah, let's move on. I've talked about Chip Kelly enough. All right. I, I was going to torch you with more Chip Kelly talk, but I'll let you off the hook and I'll let you talk about a team that you probably enjoy talking about more than UCLA, and that's Utah, who is uh, Vegas has an eight and a half. So the back-to-back Pac-12 champs. Obviously, what people think of this number hinges a lot on what they think of Cam Rising's knee. So what do you think? Yeah, that, that it's the bottom line. Uh, for the listeners, I'm not going to go deep into this team. Um, we did a episode a couple of months ago with Josh Newman from the Salt Lake Tribune. And so if you want to know about Pac-12 or about Utah, excuse me, more in depth, I would suggest you go back and listen to that episode because it was you know, very, very informative on what they lost, what they've got coming back. I don't want to rehash a bunch of that on the same, you know, on the same podcast a couple of months later. But bottom line for me on Utah to keep it, you know, short and sweet, it all depends on Cam Rising. Is he going to be back? Is he going to be healthy? Is he not going to be back until week five, six, seven, whatever? If he's back week one against Florida, we got a shot. There's a shot they could go over, no doubt. They still have a really good defense. They will still have a really good offense, assuming that he's back. It, it's all about him. And if you if you like to bet historically, okay, then you could look back at the last nine years. They've won nine games seven of the last nine years, and they consistently get totals below that. So, I mean, if you just want to bet it historically and you think Cam Rising is going to be healthy, I think it's a safe bet to bet over eight and a half. And, you know, you want to take it back even further than that, back to when even when they were in the Mountain West, uh, four times since 2006, they've won less than nine games. So ultimately, if Cam Rising is healthy, to me, there's no question they'll get to nine wins. So hmm. I would bet the over, you know, barring some kind of, I would wait to make this bet until, you know, we get an update on his knee. Is he going to play? Whatever. Yes. Okay. Bet the over. You know, 
It's one of those you kind of are going to have to take down to the wire. But if you bet the over and he's not going to play, they could be in deep shit and go seven and five. <sighs> yeah. So that's pretty much where I'm at. I, I like the running back a lot, Jackson kid, uh, Jaquin yeah. Jackson. But yes, if it's someone other than Cam Rising is playing quarterback, then what you get out of Jackson, I think, changes. And yeah. they're bringing back the majority of a really, really good defense that gave up, I think, something like 21 or 22 a game. I don't love the schedule and how it's laid out. They have their three hardest games, probably. All come within a four-week stretch with no buy. It's after the buy. I this is one I feel like I might regret, but I'm gonna I'm gonna lean under here because they have probably the toughest non-conference slate in the conference with yeah, Florida the, and then going yeah, to Baylor. Early. Yeah, and it's early too. So I mean they're gonna they've got Florida, Baylor, and then UCLA and Oregon State in the first five weeks. I mean it's mm-hmm. <laughs> this is the opposite of most right. of the Pac twelve schedules that we've talked about where all their easy games come first. The these guys it's yeah, really well spread there's out. No real, there's no real ramp-up period like we just talked about with no. UCLA being able to maybe potentially take a quarterback battle into the regular season. I, yeah. Like right off the bat, okay, we've got an SEC team, got a Big 12 team. You get Weber State, fine. And then you're right at you know UCLA at Oregon State. And yep. you know on the road at USC, they get Oregon after the bye. The, they go to Washington. So Part of it <sighs> kind of feels... Like, and this is all, like I said, contingent on Cam Rising, assuming that he plays. Let's just assume that he's going to be back. Okay. (laughs) Part of me feels like that USC game, even though it's on the road, it's like, wouldn't you want to be the team that's like, give them a swift kick in the ass on the way out the door? Like, I feel like every team in the big, in the Pac-12 is just going to be like gunning for them. Like, (laughs) trick plays, pull out all the stops, like... Fuck it. They're no, leaving. I mean, Let's get their ass. Yeah. And they're they're a preseason favorite. They're already going to get everyone's best shot, but they're they're absolutely going to give get everyone's best shot this year. Um, you know, even if they weren't, even if you liked, you know, Washington or Oregon or even Utah a little more, they're you know, it kind of makes me nervous about that over that I that I made, you know, half an hour ago. But um yeah, we'll see. That that game could be could be fun to watch. A lot could be hinging on that. Um, I mean, it's been some of the most fun games to watch the last two seasons. It's been wild. So yeah, so you got three left, and we're actually kind of pushing up against time a little bit. So I'm going to get. Don't worry, one of them I'm going to get through in about ten seconds. Okay, I thought you were going to say that for two of them. I, I was going <laughs> to I was going to tee you up for the team that you might actually want to talk about and might actually be at least mediocre, and that is the Washington State Cougars who have a six and a half win total from Vegas. I know what I think. I want to know what you think. All right. Well, I, I'm a little bit interested in them. Uh, Cam Ward coming back at quarterback. This dude, I mean, he he's a baller. There's no, no two ways about it. The dude can play. He had some great numbers last year. The problem for Cam Ward is that he loses his top four wideouts. Yep. And his offensive line is an absolute dumpster fire. They gave up 46 sacks last year. And I'm, you know, you could put some of that on the quarterback, like he needs to get the ball out quicker if you want. But bottom line, 46, that's terrible. <laughs> Based on my minimal research here, I, I don't really see a ton that would make me think that it's going to be a ton better on offense. I, I think it's going to be kind of just more of the same. Cam Ward running for his life and trying to make something happen with a bunch of new wideouts. I, I'm not going to really talk about their running game because they don't really run the ball that much. So we'll see. Now, defensively, Oh, man, this is one of those things where it's like the opposite of your take on like, like take Oklahoma 
uh, mm-hmm. when Venables took over, where you're like new coach, new coordinator, new quarterback, new everything, right? It's kind of my take on their defense. And, you know, they've got two new coordinators, offensive and defensive, to start, but new defensive coordinator. They were absolutely gutted by the transfer portal. Their run defense was bad. Their secondary was bad. About the only thing that they've got going for them defensively is they've got two good pass rushers. So, but if you can't stop the run, that won't matter. And I just, like I said, they got gutted by the portal. Their schedule is not easy. And ultimately, I'm going to take the under. Mm, okay. So I like the edge rushers you talked about, uh, Stone, and I'm guessing you're talking about Jackson. Correct. Their secondary looks like it'll be okay. They're bringing a lot of guys back there, but they're super thin at linebacker. Yeah. So they're bringing three starters back on the O-line. I don't know if I like that or not based on yeah, how, I don't they, how they played a, last year. Yeah, I don't think that's a good thing. But they do miss USC. They do miss Utah. So schedule-wise, I guess that's favorable. <laughs> Their new defensive coordinator was at Auburn. He was Auburn's DC last year. So I don't know how that makes me feel. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I think they should win the, at least two of their non-conference games. And then back into their schedule, Colorado, Cal, Arizona, Stanford, they should win all those. So then it's a matter of, do you think they can pull off an upset or win a close game against a team? And I'm going to go ahead and say, yes, they get to seven. Ooh, all right. Interesting. All right, team me up. Who's next? Who's next on the chopping block that I'm going under on? Uh, I, w- I was actually thinking I might just give them both to you at once. Give you the, right. the the dynamic duo of Arizona at four and a half and Colorado at three and a half. Oh, baby. All right. Well, I can make it really quick on Colorado. I can glance at this schedule without even dusting it off and find seven losses in about 1.5 seconds. To I me, nine. Yeah, yeah. That, like I said, that's without even dusting it off. I don't think there's any chance they go over. I just don't. Their schedule is absolutely brutal. In my opinion, they're going to start out one and four uh, with TCU, Nebraska, Oregon, and USC in the first five weeks. And I don't see them getting wins against the likes of at UCLA, Oregon State, and Utah in the final five weeks. So, like I say, seven losses right out of the gate. Transfers everywhere. Even if you like Dion. I don't think it's a safe bet to bet the over. So I'm going to go under on Colorado. Same. Yeah. Moving on to Arizona, who I actually find a little bit interesting. And I like uh, Fish. I like Jed Fish. He's, you know, to me, when you go from 1 and 11 to 5 and 7, that to me is like, hmm, he's doing some shit right. They sold 15,000 tickets to their spring game. Like fan interest is up. And they were five and seven last year. They upset UCLA, like I talked about, but they also had two really close losses to Washington and USC. Like the season could have went very differently for them. Mm -hmm. And they also lost to Mississippi State last year. So they played a tough schedule and went five and seven, but a couple of things went differently. They would have been talking about seven and five or eight and four, you know, so it's going to be interesting to see. Jaden Delora, while not a model human being, is a good player, uh, 25 to 13 touchdown to interceptions. That's got to get cleaned up. 62% of his passes, eight and a half yards in attempt. So n- not mid, but you know, maybe a little bit better than that. I think the offense is pr- going to be pretty much relatively the same. It'll be, you know, pretty decent, you know, a couple of wide receivers that are back, a couple of running backs that are back. Their O-line should be a little better. Um, so I, th- I think their offense will be pretty decent once again i think they'll put up some points yeah defensively is where i really like yeah i really like the wonder uh cowling yeah yeah he's a good player so again 
offense should be, you know, really fun to watch. Delora is a good player. So defensively is where I've got the issues, man. 36.5 allowed last year per game. Not great, Bob. You got to, you got to fix that. And, you know, I'm not going to go deep into their defense. They've got a lot of transfers that are going to be trying to fill roles for them. It's going to be kind of just to put it together, makeshift defense. Once again, they do have a few starters back, but I'm not sure that's a great thing. So their defense scares me. Yeah, it's not good. But the good thing about it is that four of their five toughest Pac-12 games are at home. They do have a favorable schedule. I can't believe I'm going to say it, but ultimately, man, I'm going to I'm going to take the over. I wouldn't bet my house on it, but I'm going to take the over and say they get to at least five wins again. Oof. All right. Well, I I also like Jed Fish, um, but the defense just scares me off too much. They, I get that they gave up 36 a game, and you don't necessarily want all of those players back, but they're effectively changing out the entire defensive line. They have three new starters in the secondary. I think that is enough for me to just. I think they'll start probably two and two, but they're going to be underdogs. I think probably six, maybe seven of their last eight games. I don't know. I, I guess I'm just going to have to. I mean, I think they'll in. start I'm three have and to one. I, 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 I'm going to, I think they're going to start three and one at worst. I mean, at Mississippi State, we don't know what they're going to look like. They're running a whole new offense. If Coach Leach was still there, if he was still there, I'd say automatic. That's a loss on the road, but we don't yeah. know what they're going to look like. I mean, they're running a whole new offense, so we'll see. UTEP, Northern Arizona, at Stanford, those are all wins to me. And then you got Washington at USC back-to-back. Both of those games were really close last year, you know, and they're both one of them's at home this year. So I, who knows? But I would say both are losses, right? Then they go on the road to Washington State, winnable. Oregon State at home, tough game, but it's at home. Or UCLA at home, also a tough game, but it's at home. At Colorado, win. Utah at home. Again, Cam Rising, who knows? And then add Arizona State to close out the season. I mean, it just, I like the schedule. So ultimately, I'm going to take them to get back to at least five and seven, but it would not shock me if they made a bowl game this year. Mm, I would be very surprised if they made a bowl game. Um, Ooh, I like missing, it. yeah, missing Oregon helps um, yeah. schedule wise, but the trade off is I think they also miss Cal, it looks like. Yes. So, do. okay, you, they trade. <laughs> They trade a loss for a win. Um, I think it probably all comes down to the Arizona State game, and I think Arizona State's the better team, so I'm going to go with the under. Oh, man. All right. Well, damn. Well, that wraps it up, man. Pac-12 in a nutshell. So let's uh, recap. Arizona, I'm on the over. You're on the under, four and a half. Utah, I am, oh, man. I'm on the over, but it's all dependent on cam rising. You're also in that same boat, but you're going to take the under, correct, on Utah? Yep. All right, so uh, Colorado under, Washington State, I'm on the under, you're on the over, UCLA, I'm on the under, you're on the over. So a lot of difference in of opinion. The only one we agree on <laughs> pretty much is Oregon State and Colorado. That's yeah. it. So a lot of uh, interesting yeah, stuff there. There's more dissent than last year. I think there was only a couple of teams last year we didn't agree on, and then you ended up winning those. Um, and no I missed doubt. Them, so. We'll get ready for it to happen again, big boy. Yeah, but, I mean, uh, I don't see. <laughs> yeah, I will figure out. I'll have to look at this and see if there's a way we could both go nine and three. Uh, you know, wouldn't that be great? That would be great. Uh, so, what are we talking about next week? Well, the Big Twelve is next week, and mm. we both um, 
kind of had a brain fart and thought, hey, the Big 12 has 16 teams now. We should probably split it up, but they don't. They have 14 teams. We maybe could have squeezed it in, but we split it up anyway. So the Big 12 does not have divisions anymore, but we're going to give them some, and we're going to do the northernmost teams uh, in the Big 12 next week, which is Iowa State, Cincinnati, West Virginia, Oklahoma State, BYU, Kansas, and Kansas State. Mm. And then we'll get to the Texas teams and UCF and Oklahoma the week after. Oh, baby. K-State, over. Yeah, I think (laughs) it's starting to feel like maybe, I don't know if Vegas is catching up to them yet or not. It seems like every year Chris Kleiman has been there, like the market hasn't recognized that, hey, this dude's a really good coach. So we'll see. We'll talk more about it next week. So tune in. Yeah, no doubt. All right. Well, uh, so yeah, thanks for hanging out with us. If you're still with us on this Pac-12 preview for 2023, Eric, it's finally here. It's preview season. We're getting closer. Media days. College football will be here before you know it. And uh, it'll be right in the thick of the Braves winning the World Series, man. So I can't wait to uh, chat about that with you. (laughs) Yeah. All the other season previews will be shorter because they're broken up. Yes. Yes, indeed, they will. So you guys can find us on the socials, the interwebs, at South End Zone Pod. You can follow me at Jason Bailey 47 You can follow Eric at Eric Mulher. And we'll be back with you next week talking some big 12 Vegas win totals. And until then, catch you later. Thank you very much. Have a great day. Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name. And we're still here.